The finish line is near. Can I scream in here? Mom, I the finale! And we're in for a bloody good time. They get it. You're a vampire killer with the stakes and the reflexes and all that. Great job. Yay. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Thursday, September 2nd. We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Top Gun Maverick, the long-awaited follow-up to Tom Cruise's 1986 Flyboy classic, is pulling out of its November 19th release date and landing on May 27th, 2022. The move causes a cruise ripple effect, with fellow Paramount tentpole Mission Impossible 7 now headed for September 30th, 2022, having previously held the May 27th slot. Also exiting 2021 is Jackass Forever, which will open February 4th. This is the fourth delay for Top Gun Maverick since the COVID-19 pandemic began, but more urgently, it's the first major movie to bail on a fall 2021 release amid the Delta variant surge. Grab yourself a Mackinac peach, maybe some marble rye, and a big bowl of cereal. Seinfeld is coming back to streaming, this time on Netflix. The streamer announced Wednesday that all 180 episodes of the classic NBC comedy are coming to the platform on October 1st. Previously, the show was on Hulu for five years, but it left the service back in June and has been absent from streaming platforms since. Ellen DeGeneres is getting a little help from her friends, and in particular, one of the stars of Friends, for the 19th and final season of her eponymous daytime talk show. Jennifer Aniston, who took a seat as the first ever guest on the Ellen DeGeneres show back in 2003, will be returning to kick off the farewell season on September 13th. The appearance will mark her 23rd visit to the show. Also dropping by during premiere week will be late-night host Jimmy Kimmel, reality TV personality Kim Kardashian West, comedian Tiffany Haddish, who previously filled in as a guest host for DeGeneres, and rockers Imagine Dragons. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Now, let's assemble today's top three picks, starting with number three, Q-Force. No, this is not another docuseries about QAnon. It's a new animated comedy from Netflix, created by Sean Hayes and Parks and Rec's Michael Schur. Hayes voices Steve Merriweather, a.k.a. Agent Mary, who was once the golden boy of the American Intelligence Agency, until he came out as gay. Assigned to West Hollywood to disappear into obscurity, Steve soon assembles a misfit squad of LGBTQ geniuses known as Q-Force. Together, they all fight to prove themselves to the agency that underestimated them, even if they have to go rogue. Here's a preview. Our lives are passing us by. It's time to do something about it. We need to work a real case already. You know I love you, but I can't make any promises. We go rogue! This team is ready! You were so cool five seconds ago. You all uncovered an illegal nuclear arms deal with the tie to the federal government? I've never been prouder. Let's do this. If you mess with us, there will be repercussions. I built a search algorithm more powerful than Google and only slightly less evil. Wow. 
you'll slay going undercover. I'm here to absolutely save the day. Thank God for you, drag queen. Thank God for every drag queen. But not actually, obviously. That star-studded cast you just heard includes Wanda Sykes as Mechanic Deb, Matt Rogers as Master of Drag and Disguise Twink, Patty Harrison as Hacker Stat, and Laurie Metcalf as V, the agency's deputy director. David Harbour is also on board as a straight agent assigned to join the team. It is quite the ensemble, both on-screen and behind the scenes. You can queue up Q-Force on Netflix now. Now, time for our fantastic number two pick, FX's What We Do in the Shadows, bat, or back tonight for season three. After the shocking season two finale, tonight's premiere finds the housemates in a panic about what to do with Guillermo after discovering that he's a vampire killer. But distractions soon arise as the vampires are elevated to a new level of power. This season, they'll encounter the vampire from which all vampires have descended. Attempting Siren, Werewolf Kickball, Atlantic City Casinos, Ex-Girlfriends, and much more. And the second half of tonight's one-hour premiere sees Nandor faced with an eternal life crisis as he tries to inject his life with more meaning. Will he find love? Or is he destined to be an immortal bachelor with 37 wives? Here's a preview. We have decided to make you a fully-fledged member of the team. You're gonna make me a vampire? There's no, no chance. <laughs> Today is our first day as leaders of the Vampiric Council. Is there not a throne for all of us? <laughs> no! Do you have to step on him? I'm on. I'm on! What is happening? Am I doing it? Bazinga! In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh. I don't have to talk to modern women 700 years ago. I just say, hey, you, get on the back of John. John was my horse. That was called dating. Uh, if only this show could run for hundreds of years. What We Do in the Shadow returns tonight at 10 on FX, with new episodes streaming the next day on FX on Hulu. Trivia. It's trivia time. Who has not appeared as a guest on What We Do in the Shadows? Blade star Wesley Snipes, Zola writer Jeremy O'Harris, or Thor Ragnarok star Jeff Goldblum? Stick around for the answer and our number one pick. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. A new season of Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles kicks off tonight on Bravo with a new realtor joining the cast full-time, Million Dollar Listing New York's Frederick Eklund, who's striving to juggle bi-coastal life while bringing his energy to the L.A. real estate market. 
and yet, somehow, he still has time to watch TV. So, of course, we asked him, what you watching? Entertainment Weekly and your beautiful readers, I wanted to give you a tip, a hot tip. I am completely obsessed, but I guess I'm not the only one because it's the number one show in the world. But if you missed it, The White Lotus. I mean, it is so incredible, the writing. I think I need to download the entire script and read line by line, especially the dialogue, because it's so incredible and multi-layered and thoughtful and funny and dark and sad, all those things. The characters, um, I just wanna like go to that island in Hawaii, sit and eat breakfast with those characters. And I am so sad, there's only six episodes. I just finished the finale last night and I feel this void now this empty space of nothingness uh, i need to get back into that world so i can't wait for the second season anyway the white lotus hbo max just watch it thank me later and see you soon big kiss if you missed out on the white lotus while it was airing the show makes a great binge albeit a bit of a stressful one as he said you can find that streaming on hbo max and catch the 90 minute season premiere of million dollar listing los angeles tonight at eight on bravo Now, don't sashay away just yet, because it's time for our number one pick, the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 6. Yes, a new queen will finally claim their spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame after the final four face-off in the last maxi challenge, writing, recording, and performing verses to RuPaul's new song, This Is Our Country, featuring country music legend Tanya Tucker. So who will walk away with the $100,000 when it's all over? Here again to break down the competition with me is EW's resident drag race expert, Joey Nolfi. Hey, Joey, how's it going? Hi, Jared. I am exhausted. I am, in the words of Jan, thrilled that All-Star 6 is coming to a close. You and I think a lot of other people, too. And there's a lot to discuss here this season that has been uh, so different, of course, because, first of all, it was on streaming, so we all didn't get that collective viewing experience. But it's fine. We made it through. We survived. But, of course, not all of the queens did. So, that said, let's talk about... Who's left? Let's break down this final four. It is a very strong top four. And it let me is. just clarify, I genuinely am thrilled that this is coming to a close because I cannot wait to see <laughs> what is going to happen on this finale. This is an incredible top four. We have Kylie Sonique Love from season two, Ginger Minj from okay. season seven, and she was also the Space Baked Potato from All Stars 2, Raja O'Hara <laughs> from season 11, and Eureka from both seasons 9 and season 10, which they returned to with an entirely new knee. So this is a very yeah. diverse final four from all reaches of this season. We have somebody from very early on, somebody from the middle of the run, and then two queens from later on in the run. So it really represents the full breadth of drag race excellence yeah that's such a good point i wasn't looking at it that way but they've been i think these four quite strong throughout the season of course there was a whole thing about how eureka had not won any challenges and that ultimately led to eureka uh having to sashay away but eureka fought her way back uh you know for the, the in the game within the game uh so let's talk about that episode and how that really shook things up well, I think it was a big shock. I, you know, after Silky came in like a true wrecking ball during that redemption challenge for the all the eliminated girls. I mean, Eureka beat her after Silky had six lip sync victories in a row, I think. And then Eureka returned to the competition only for an even bigger gag 
Trinity K. Bonet, who many believed to be a frontrunner this entire time, she left after the monologue challenge last week. So it was all kinds yeah. of messed up in in these you know past few stretches of Drag Race. Trinity had done so well, she just really excelled at nearly every challenge, except the Snatch Game, which we were just not going to talk about. But her Beyonce during the Super Bowl challenge was great. She was so good on the Pink Table Talk challenge with Eureka and Akira. And, I mean, we just need to get all of them to replace the women on The View immediately. Yeah. But I think it just amplified the vulnerability of the top four. It got them all super emotional, especially Eureka, who developed a little playful romance with Trinity. (laughs) So there's definitely a big hole of talent missing in the top four. But they all earned their spots in this final, so everyone seems relatively pleased with this final four. But that definitely shook everybody. Last week, it was a twist unlike anything we've really ever seen before. Absolutely. Okay, so as we go into this finale, who do you think uh, or does anyone have an advantage? And who do you think is the front runner for the crown? Ginger has two wins. Raja has two wins. Kylie has one win. But in 2021, I feel like a reality show has to crown a winner who represents something important as much as they win based on, you know, talent. Mm. And all of these queens represent something big in the community. Ginger represents for plus size girls. Raja is a shining example of black excellence. And Kylie would be the first trans winner in the American franchise's history after Anjali Anang became the first trans winner in the global franchise history on Thailand season two. But I think... Raja and Kylie's overall arcs are more immediately interesting than Ginger's. I mean, I love Ginger Mm -hmm. so much. She is great. She's so talented. She's had an amazing career. But Raja and Kylie have both really turned around negative track records after being eliminated early on in their respective seasons. And they're just excelling exponentially on All-Stars. Their stories really are true All-Star redemptions. So it's difficult to pick just one. But I think Raja might have the slight advantage. But in 10 minutes, I'll probably change that to <laughs> Kylie and then back to Raja. So it's it's really too soon to tell. I will not feel conviction in my choice until I am watching the winner sachet away from the competition. That's true. So true. All right. Well, uh, the season finale of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star 6 is available to stream now on Paramount+. Plus. Check it out. And as always, Joey, thank you. Thanks, Jared. Lastly today, the answer to our trivia question, who has not appeared as a guest star on What We Do in the Shadows? Wesley Snipes, Jeremy O'Harris, or Jeff Goldblum? Don't go batty if you didn't get this. The answer is Jeff Goldblum. Snipes and Harris both appeared in the first season as Wesley, a half-vampire member of the council, and Colby, a familiar to two 400-year-old vampires, respectively. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. Today's episode of What to Watch was written by Tyler Aquilina edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Crockmall and Carly Usdin.